I, it happens to me all the time. I don't feel good after I scroll on social media for too long. And it's the same for kids. They, in the moment, love it, but it's really taking them out of the present moment. It's not allowing them to be present. It's allowing them to be overstimulated. And then when they get off the screen, their heads are still spinning. They've got so many thoughts in their heads. And a lot of parents are looking to mindfulness and meditation for their kids to help to soothe them after too much screen time. Hey everyone, I'm Lowell Brown, host of the Growing Up With Tech podcast. And on this episode, we're going to jump into a discussion about mindfulness with kids. This is an interview I conducted a couple months back and I saved it until we got a couple other episodes rolling with the podcast. I know you're going to like this episode, uh, so stick with me. Here we go with episode nine of the Growing Up With Tech show. Hi, everybody. I am very excited for today's episode. I'm going to be speaking with Cynthia, who has a company called Goldmines. And uh, what Goldmines is, is basically they hold classes for kids and teens and teach mindfulness with an aim to help improve emotional regulation, enhance focus, and build self-confidence. So I'm going to turn things over to Cynthia to introduce herself, and we're going to get this podcast episode rolling. Hey, Cynthia, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us all about your company and what you do. Yeah. So I run a mindfulness for kids and teens organization where I teach kids virtually how to self-regulate, how to improve their emotional capacity, and also to help them improve their focus. So I originally was doing this in schools pre-pandemic and then now during the pandemic, I've pivoted to teaching entirely virtually. So I teach classes throughout the week and I also teach mindfulness classes to schools. Very cool. Okay. So tell us about the difference between what you're doing with schools and the other programs that you have and how those work. Yeah. So for the schools, I'm typically doing an introduction to mindfulness, just allowing the kids to understand what mindfulness even is and teaching them that mindfulness is essentially paying attention to your five senses and allowing yourself to live in the present moment as opposed to living in the past or living in the future. So we'll do different activities. Usually there will be coloring, drawing, we'll do deep breathing exercises, and we'll end the class with a guided meditation story where the kids will close their eyes, imagine the story that I am reading off to them, and it allows them to relax and just focus on, on where they are. So I do that with a bunch of schools right now, which is really nice, especially given the fact that here in Ontario, we are locked down and schools are back to being totally virtual. So I've been doing that for a number of schools over the last couple of months. And then uh, on the other side of things, I also teach private classes to kids where we'll have one-on-one -on -one sessions, actually focus on that child's specific needs. And then I also run other programs, one being a eight to 12 week treasure hunt program where the kids are doing a really fun treasure hunt and they don't even know what they're doing is so great for them. And they're also learning about how to improve their sleep habits, their focus, their self-regulation, and just how to calm themselves down when they get really upset. That's awesome. I'm going to come back to the treasure hunt because I think that's really exciting and I, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into that, but we're going to make people wait for that little teaser. So um, I wanted to go back and talk about what you're doing with the schools and with students. So typically, is it one class at a time? Are you dealing with kind of a couple classes and how long are those sessions that you run with the schools? 
So the classes are typically either one grade at a time or they'll um, combine a couple of grades at the same time. The classes are all 30 minutes long. And what we're doing in those classes is we're meeting on Zoom, especially with everything being virtual. So when schools were still in person, I would be Zooming in virtually. I'd be up on the, the front of the classroom on a big screen and we do a mindfulness class together. And now the kids are joining separately from their own homes and joining the classes. Typically we'll have one classroom or two. So, you know, anywhere between 15 to 30 kids, depending on the size of the classroom and how many join. And yeah, it's, it's really interactive. I provide workbooks for each of the schools so that they can actually follow along with the activities. It's not just a 30 minute class where you're sitting and meditating. Of course, kids uh, don't just sit and meditate. It has to be super interactive. So we start every class with a warm up and a stretch. We shake out all of our energy and get any tension out from our bodies. And then we'll pick a color that represents how we're feeling that day. So every color represents a different feeling or emotion. The child will then actually draw the face that represents how they're feeling that day. And then from there, we'll move into some sort of breathing activity where I'm teaching them how to take deep breaths and how to do it properly and why it's so important. And then at the end of that class is when we do the, the story time or the guided meditation. Cool. Okay. And when you're doing these programs with the, um, the schools, are you typically working with a certain age range or um, is it kind of all over the place? Yeah, it definitely depends. I would say primarily I'm working with anywhere between JK and grade threes at this point in time. That's the current age range, but I also do teach teenage classes. I just am not teaching yet in uh, high schools, but right now I would say anywhere between age four to age eight, nine. Cool. And do you find that uh, different age levels, it's kind of... Um... In, in the kids are are getting it a little bit better depending on the age. Mm -hmm. Yes. The interesting thing is that kids actually absorb things like a sponge and they get really excited, especially when you create routines within the classes. As we know, kids really thrive on routine and it's the same in these classes. The younger that they are, the more excited that they are to be in this class. And it's actually quite cute to watch them take deep breaths and when they understand how good it is for them. And then they start teaching their parents at home. And so I'd say the younger that the kids are, the less bias that they are, the less judgment that they have. As they get a little bit older, I do start to see them, you know, sometimes they'll think, you know, I'm too cool for this. <laughs> and right. um, they might get, a, you know, they might be a little bit embarrassed to be doing certain things. So with the teen classes and the older kids classes, it's a little bit different. I treat them like adults. I allow them to have their screen on or off. They get to make their own decisions. They get to show up how they want to show up, but they still really, really benefit from the relaxation and the calm through the story time. So it's just a slightly different approach depending on the maturity level, but it is interesting that the younger kids are the ones that absorb it so quickly. It's why they teach kids how to speak different languages when they're extremely young, because they can just absorb it so quickly. And right. mindfulness is no different. They can really absorb it. And then they end up taking it throughout their whole lives. I had a mom tell me just uh, this weekend that we did a class together a couple of days ago, and I taught her a calm down technique for whenever she was feeling worried. And her mom told me that she started doing it the other night before bed, she was feeling worried and she started doing it. And she was so excited to share with her mom that she had learned this new calm down technique. So those that's are amazing. Great experiences. Great. And, um, when you're, when you're dealing with 
the different kids and you've, you've kind of gone into different sessions. You were talking before both having private sessions and sessions in school and, and in that we are in this pandemic and we've gone from kind of screen time with, you know, remote learning, being in person, going back to remote learning, going back to in person. So how have you seen that kind of a, um, transition of how kids are learning, how, and, and just living through the pandemic for the past year plus, how have you seen the impact on kids? Yeah, it's interesting at the very beginning, when I first started doing this, kids were still in school. So having them come online for a 30 minute class was no problem. I definitely found that when kids started spending their entire days doing virtual learning, you would sometimes have a mom message you and say, Hey, you know, my kid's been on you know the screen the entire day. We're going to skip out tonight. We'll join you next week. So I've definitely seen a little bit of that because of course our class is online. So it's considered screen time. Yeah. It's considered in my opinion, good screen time, but also still screen time. And yeah. uh, even educational screen time can still be overstimulating for a child. So there's a lot of ways that screen time can impact kids. It can lead them to feeling lonely. It can lead them to feeling sad. And it can also lead them to feeling isolated and withdrawn from other people. But these are things that kids can't always express, right? So, I mean, as adults, how often have you scrolled through Instagram for way too long? And you just feel bad after. You just, you right. don't know why, but you just watched all these people. Maybe they're having more fun than you, or maybe they're out and about and you're stuck at home, whatever it is. I, that happens to me all the time. I don't feel good after I scroll on social media for too long. And it's the same for kids. They, in the moment, love it, but it's really taking them out of the present moment. It's not allowing them to be present. It's allowing them to be overstimulated. And then when they get off the screen, their heads are still spinning. They've got so many thoughts in their heads. And a lot of parents are looking to mindfulness and meditation for their kids to help to soothe them after too much screen time. So you know, meditation for kids doesn't have to necessarily be uh, during one of our classes. It could be, you know, I've, I now have an on-demand channel as well, where you could just play the video and your child could listen before bed and just have audio only. Or alternatively, you could just play really relaxing music as your child tries to fall asleep. And that's a form of mindfulness and meditation as well, where you can kind of eliminate that need to be screen to screen. That's great. You, you touched on a number of like nuggets right there that that I think are gold. Um, no pun intended with the gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> Using social media in terms of screen time, if a parent is kind of looking for a cue as to when maybe to not forcibly, you know, take away the screen time or, um, you know, to, to, to force the kids off, but are there cues or um, signs that a parent can look for? and to know, okay, you know what, maybe it's time for a break. And, and mm -hmm. what would you say is a good suggestion for initiating that trans, you know, transformation or, or transition away from screen time when kids might be in that moment and they might be really, you know, still thriving on, you know, one video after another on TikTok or whatever it is. Yeah. Definitely. I would say one of the signs that I would look out for is when your child is starting to get aggravated or agitated really quick to shoot something back at you. They're, they're seeming a little bit unhappy or aggressive. That's typically a sign of overstimulation, at which point I would say, you know, this whole screen time conversation, I, I know can be really difficult for families. I would say one thing that I've seen work really well for families is when families plan to do things together. So it's not just 
you know, get off your phone. It's we're as a family going to go for a hike, or we as a family are going to spend an hour off of our screens and we're going to read a book or we're going to, you know, do a little mindfulness exercise together. Who knows? Right. But it comes from the family because I think at the end of the day, kids really do mimic what the adults in their life are doing. So if they see you on your phone all the time, they'll just shoot that back right at you that, you know, you're on your phone all the time. So I think that it does need to be an entire family event when, when getting off the screens and maybe not every single time, but making it known that just because you're getting off your screen, it doesn't mean you're going to be bored. We're actually have this awesome thing planned and we're going to do it together. I think that takes away a lot of the animosity that the child might feel. And that's just, you know, one of the ways that I would recommend doing it. And if it is possible to incorporate some sort of mindfulness in there without them even knowing it's mindfulness, AKA going for a walk in nature and just paying attention to what's around you, it doesn't have to be, you know, your most classic form of meditation where you're sitting, it can be walking, it can be exercising, it can be running and just really incorporating that into your child's life because that's, what's really going to help to help them when they're overstimulated and and help to settle their minds. That's great. Okay. I want to transition and jump back to something you brought up earlier and you talked about the scavenger hunt program that you run with kids. Let's talk about that. Can you explain that in a little more detail? Why you went the route of um, going through a program as a scavenger hunt and how that kind of developed and how it's working out? Yes. So this treasure hunt was something that I created a couple of months ago. I was looking for a way to introduce children to mindfulness, but actually have it be in a really fun way. And so I was noticing right now that a lot of the things that kids were lacking in the middle of this pandemic were celebration, socialization, just being seen and heard by somebody on a more personal level and also struggling with large class sizes virtually and really just not getting the attention that they need from all areas of their life, right? It's, it's been very difficult for everybody to be able to, to give children the right level of attention in the middle of a pandemic because we've never been through this before. So really this treasure hunt program came out of everything that was going on in the pandemic. I wanted the class sizes to be smaller. I wanted the kids to get more one-on-one attention from me. I wanted them to feel celebrated like they had a goal. I wanted them to trek through the four stops in our treasure hunt and color off their map every single week to track their progress towards reaching the gold. I wanted them to feel like they really had something to look forward to and to achieve. And through that, I created this treasure hunt program called Goldminders. I did an eight-week program a couple of months ago, and right now I'm in the middle of doing a 12-week program. I made it a little bit longer, and it also includes some one-on-one sessions. So each child has three one-on-one sessions with me as well which is incredible. It's just, you get to learn a whole different side of the kids when you're meeting with them one-on-one and they actually open up to you a lot more as well. And every week we do different breathing activities and we do coloring, uh, we do guided stories and games as well. And so I try to make it as fun as possible. And I also end every session with a riddle. Who knew kids loved riddles so much? (laughs) And so, yeah, every single week, that's a, a one hour class actually. And yeah, we're on week six of that program right now. So we're halfway through the 12 week one, and then I'll be running another one in the summer again. Very cool. Now those um, programs that you're running, is it something where uh, let's say a parent wants to um, enroll their, their kids in the program? Is it something where they have to start at the beginning and run through all 12 sessions? Is it something where people can drop in and participate and see what it's like? How do you, how do you kind of run that? And how do you kind of give, um, parents or kids a taste of your what your programs and your services are like 
before they really jump into something that's maybe a longer commitment? Yeah. So every person who has actually come into the treasure hunt has been somebody that's already been a part of my mindfulness Monday classes. So my mindfulness Monday classes are drop-in classes. You don't have to have been there the week before or the week after they're just weekly drop-in classes. And during those classes, you know, I've, I've talked a bit about the treasure hunt program and, and through posting on social media, the moms will understand that it's a longer commitment. It's, you know, one hour classes, there's workbooks included private sessions and, yeah, that's kind of how they get a taste of what my classes are like before they actually have that longer term commitment. So I always offer the first class for free so that people can just drop in, see if they like it, get a feel for how our classes run. And then if they are interested in the longer term commitment, then they could join something like the 12 week program. Cool. So do you have it where people, you know, if they, if let's say they're not um, sort of set on that 12 week program, do you recommend they just continue doing the Monday drop-ins? Is that how you kind of would recommend? Yeah, definitely would recommend doing the weekly classes. So actually just last week I released new classes. So I was doing mindfulness Monday since last June. It was kind of like my pandemic baby class that came up just in the middle of everything going virtual. And throughout doing that for the last year, almost, I had a lot of moms ask me for different times, different days, different kinds of classes that are focused specifically on things like gratitude, self-confidence, self-love and coloring and calm coloring, which is a huge favorite of the kids. So I actually created four new classes that start this week. And so if you don't want to do a longer term program, you could just join on a monthly basis and join either four, eight or 12 classes per month. And those are all drop-in classes and a little bit less of a commitment than a 12-week program. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you very much for for being part of uh, this episode of the podcast. It was really cool to learn about your services and what you're doing. You and I connected through Instagram, which which is ironic. We're talking about you know being addicted to <laughs> a little bit addicted to uh, social media, but that's that's how connections happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that we connected and I could learn about what you're doing. Um, I, before before we wrap things up, I just wanted to maybe see if you would offer. Um, one kind of mindfulness tip or a little takeaway or, or kind of exercise that someone could um, introduce to their kids just to, to, you know, start them off or, or get the parents an, an understanding of, of how it all works. Um, and then again, you know, we'll direct people with the show notes into your, your programs and your Monday drop-ins and I, and um, can go from there. So what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the number one thing when you're introducing your child to mindfulness is first as a parent, you know, knowing what it is and knowing why it's important and really why it's important is that you're paying attention to your five senses and you're putting yourself in the present moment instead of putting yourself in the past where you can get depressive thoughts or in the future where you can get anxious thoughts. So it's really important to teach your children deep breathing, it allows you to slow down your heart, your cortisol levels, and it really just allows your child to relax. It sends a signal to your entire body that you are okay. So what I usually recommend to teach to kids is something called box breathing. A lot of us have heard of it before, I'm sure, but it's really good for kids and it's a nice visual as well when you actually draw a box with your hands as you do it. And so essentially what it is, is you inhale for four seconds and then you hold it at the top for four seconds, you exhale for four seconds, and then you hold it at the bottom for four seconds. And you try to do, you know, three to five rounds of that deep breathing together, and just making sure that the kids are inhaling through their nose and exhaling from their mouths. 
I think that would be the best place to get started. And it really helps even if you just want some deep breaths before bed to help them unwind and fall asleep. That's awesome. That's a great little exercise and a little visual cue for them to, to do as well. I think that's great. Thank you again very much for joining me on this podcast episode. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to connect with you, ask you questions, what's the best way to find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at goldminesca, or you can go to my website, goldminescanada.ca, and you can reach me there. Great. Thank you again. And um, it was a pleasure having you part of this uh, episode and hope we can possibly connect and do uh, future episodes down the road. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. So that wraps up episode number nine of the Growing Up With Tech podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for more. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up. And I would love your honest rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts that helps this podcast grow and reach more people. Once again, stay tuned for an upcoming episode in about two weeks. My name is Lowell Brown. Have a great day and I'll see you in the next episode.